shaping the culture. We talk both culture and theology. Hey, folks, is reading that Bible. We don't claim to have all the answers. Well, I don't know how to word this, but that doesn't stop us from having honest conversation. <laughs> Y'all, what is up? Yo, I got to do a shout out one time for the one time. Shout out to Parker for <laughs> creating this intro for us. He hit me up and was like, yo, do you need help? Do you? I got this. And uh, he's such a kind soul, uh, put together something, and uh, we're using it. It's awesome, man. He's uh, just a great person. Yo, check out. He's also an artist, so you guys should go check out his music. He has an album that just released uh, this year called Black Tape, uh, and it's under the, the, the name Mr. Tibbs, T-H-I-B. S. And so, yo, thank you. I'm so grateful for you, man. And thank you for giving us that intro. Uh, we was taking it up a notch a little bit, and it's because of you. And so, uh, what is up, everybody? We are back. Uh, hope all is well with y'all. I'm excited about the guests we have for today. We got a special, special guest. Uh, he has his own podcast uh, entitled Growth Over Comfort. And he's just talking about some great things on there, a lot of great content, really breaking barriers, uh, challenging the status quo, especially within the Avisha community and context. And uh, I, I am attracted to people like that. So I'm glad to have him on our episode. Uh, we got Simone with us. How you doing, Simone? I'm doing great, my brother. I'm doing great. Man, I'm so glad to have you uh, on this episode. I know we've been talking about it for a while now, like a, a couple of months or so doing this, and we're finally doing it, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, man, it's an, it's an honor to be on Shaping the Culture, man. Hey, man, it's an honor to have you. Um, so be, before we kind of get into it, just um, kind of share with us a little bit about uh, who you are, your story, uh, maybe even how you came to to, to start a podcast. Um, what's kind of your aim in our culture and in, in, in our in our context? Kind of like just share with us some of your heart. All right. Um, well, right now I'm in my last year of undergrad. Hey. I'm a clinical psychology major. Okay. Um, currently looking into applying to grad school for my psyche. Yeah. Um, mental health has really been something that's been passionate to me. Um, like these, maybe the past four or five years. Yeah. And um, it kind of just stems from growing up in a culture where bringing up depression or um, anxiety to your parents is kind of unheard of. Yeah. It's always like, oh, like, what do you have to worry about? What do you have to be depressed about? Like, imagine mm. how we feel, this and that. Yeah. And, um, and even if they do listen to us, it's always, oh, just pray about it. Like, mm. God will re- remove whatever you're thinking about, this mm. and that. And it kind of makes you feel like there's something wrong with you for feeling the way that you do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I see that, and it's really heavy in our culture, so I just decided to be the first one to take the initiative in my family and kind of branch off and do that kind of thing. And obviously my family rejected it at first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coming from a culture where you either have four options in life, you're either a doctor, <laughs> engineer, lawyer, or a failure. It's kind oh, of like hard to bring up like a psychologist. It's kind of like, oh, wow. Don't you think you should pursue something else in the medical field? Yeah. And, um, yeah, it kind, of, it kind of messed with me at first. I went into... Uh, Engineering at first hated it, mm. and um, it actually drove me from like not going to school. From I was ended up being on uh, academic probation, wow. and banned from both campuses. I had like a below a one GPA. Wow, wow. Just kind of gave up on school, man, because I was 
going to school to please my parents and not for myself. Yeah. And I feel like that's a common problem amongst diaspora kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, just going through that and then finally finding a psychology class where they were talking about the mind and talking about that we actually do go through problems and then you realize like oh wow like other people have problems not just me yeah yeah <laughs> it sounds crazy but i mean i think a lot of us have that realization it's like wow other people do go through stuff it's mm-hmm. okay to not be okay mm-hmm. and then um i started per, per my pursuit of psychology began and then um brought it forth to my parents and they're just kind of like yeah why don't you just choose something else in the medical field that's more profitable and since they said that, I applied to uh, Cal Poly Pomona as a pre-med student so I can uh, go into psychiatry. Yeah. Which is the highest paid profession in, in the field. Yeah. But after taking um, the pre-med courses, I just hated it. I was not living my life for myself. Mm. So I decided to um, just continue with psychology. And there's a purpose. I think if we place a purpose over profit, the mm. profit will always follow. Wow. So we shouldn't chase, we shouldn't always chase profit. That's when a lot of mental illness comes from, actually. <laughs> wow, wow. That's so good, bro. Yeah. Um, yo, let me let me ask you this. So I, I remember, because I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm also, I studied psychology as well in college. And uh, my emphasis was actually uh, marriage and family counseling. Um, and okay. so I didn't, I didn't continue my education because I started, you know, I became a pastor right after. Um, I graduated, mm-hmm. but um, I always like flirt with the idea of going back. But but let me ask you this, because I remember when I decided to study psychology, I had a lot of people, especially within the church community, tell me kind of like what you heard from your parents, like, nah, this isn't right. I, I mean, I remember this one specific person telling me that like it's a demonic field and I'm messing with spirits, you know, and it's not good. Christians don't enter into that field. Um, what what gave you the confidence to kind of overlook, not overlook, but just kind of, um, you know, overcome kind of like what your parents or maybe people in the community would have to say about you pursuing uh, this field? Honestly, man, to kind of just make it a short answer, I kind of like started studying how the devil works. Hmm. And when you really look into it, he's honestly the greatest psychologist of all time. Wow, yeah, yeah. So it, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, why don't I use his own weapon against him? Yeah, yeah, that's good, man. If, if I'm able to understand the mind, how it works, then I'm able to see what the devil's able to really do. Because mm. if you really think about it, the devil is nothing but a liar and a yeah. defeated foe. He has no power. The only yeah. power he has is the power we give him. Mm. So I don't know, that's, that's pretty much like the biggest reason why I was able to pursue psychology and not really care about what they think. And honestly, they're, my family's like the biggest supporter of it now. They're always talking about this and that. And like, I have family members talking to me about uh, marital problems and stuff like wow. that. Wow. So it's cool that they're being more open to therapy and stuff like that as well. That's awesome, bro. What's, uh, let me, let me ask you this. Um, why do you think this is important? Why do you think mental health is an important issue that we need to seriously pay attention to and take responsibility for, um, throughout your, just kind of like your education? What have you learned, um, in these classes that has opened your eyes to seeing the importance of this and why our culture should not ignore this? Well, I think, um, 
just for me from personal experience, yeah. whenever um, I'm not in alignment, mind, body, and spirit, when one of those are out of alignment is whenever I feel depressed, anxious, stressed, or whatever that is. Yeah. And I think it's really important to, to pay attention to all three aspects. Like, mm. we have the spirit unlocked most of the time. Like, we're going <laughs> to church, we're reading the Bible, we're, we're praying, this and that, we're having fellowship, we're talking, but at the end of the day, what about the other two? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, we, we can't forget the vehicle that's getting us through this life as wow. well. So we need to pay attention to uh, how we take care of our body, how we interact with others, how we share our wisdom with other people. Like we need to be mindful of all the things that we do, not yeah. only just the spirit. Yeah, that's all good, bro. Um, I think that, like, you know, I think growing up, you know, I, you know, we were kind of taught that, you know, just pay attention to your spiritual life and everything else would like be okay. But one thing I realized though is, um, our spiritual life isn't just, um, limited to, um, you know, reading our Bible, going to church. I feel like taking care of our body is a spiritual thing, right? The Bible teaches us mm-hmm. to steward our temples, right? To take care of it, the, this God's gift to us. You know, the Bible tells us to love God, not just with our heart, but with our minds and with our bodies. You know what I mean? And, um, you know what I mean? I feel like if our mind, you know, I, I think worship isn't limited to just, you know, singing songs or just attending church, but it's in the way we uh, treat our mind, the way we treat our bodies. Um, let, let me ask you this. What benefits have you seen from paying attention to taking care of your body, taking care of your mind, making sure that you're growing in all facets of life? Um, honestly, the biggest revelation came to me when I realized that we're not humans having a spiritual experience, but we're spirits having a human experience. Mm, mm, yeah, that's and a word. I think once you have that revelation, you kind of understand, like, okay, the human, the humanity in me is just a form. It's a vehicle that'll yeah. get me from point A to point B, which yeah. is death. Yeah. And uh, I think it's very important to take care of it because, I mean, if I was to tell you that I would give you your dream car and there's only one catch to it. You have to drive that for the rest of your life. <laughs> How would you take care of it? Wow, wow. But we can't apply that to our bodies. It's the same exact thing. Yeah, yeah. That's so good, bro. That's a great analogy. Um, what, what, what kind of um, encouragement would you give um, somebody that is, you know, you know, like that struggles with mental health, but is afraid to communicate that or to bring it to the light due to our culture. Um, right. Like, let's say somebody says, Simone, um, I want to take care of this vehicle. I only get one and I want to make sure I steward it properly and I take care of it. But I'm afraid to because of all the um, pushback I may get from family, all the pushback I might even get from the church, all the pushback I may get from our culture. Like, how would you advise, like, what steps would you advise them to take or how would you um, how would you guide them um, into coming into the light and dealing with that reality, no matter uh, the way our culture views it? Yeah, I think um, we talked about this earlier. I think it takes uh, detachment from culture, mm-hmm. which is something that's very hard for us to do. Yeah. And 
I feel like our identity becomes attached to culture, which is essentially a byproduct of thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how are we going to attach our identity to something that it only exists in the mind? The culture, obviously culture has an influence on us, but it's because we allow it to. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of the day, I think we need to take care of ourselves and... Um, in order to take care of others, you have to take care of yourself first and foremost. Yeah. And yeah. I think your mental health should be right there at the top, right under your spirituality. Yeah, yeah. Because whatever you um, whatever you have in your subconscious mind that you're thinking about constantly is going to leak into your actions and your behaviors. Yeah. So I think it's really important to um, take the initiative. If you're, um, if you're going through something, which... Don't believe the lie that people have it all together. Everybody's going through something. Come on, man. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah. I think you should take the initiative. Talk to somebody about it. Bring it up. There's hotlines. There's resources um, that are out there. There's people out there for you. Don't ever think that you're the only person dealing with something because chances are if you speak up about it, there's a hundred different people going through exactly what you are. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. You, you brought up something so key, bro. You said de- detaching from culture. And I, I want to talk about this a little bit, like dive deeper into this. Um, you know, I think like um, a lot of time. So this is this is what I share with my community and some of the people in my life. Um, I, I really believe the reason why um, the the people in the Bible, the, the, the um, Pharisees and the scribes or what have you, the reason why they wanted Jesus to die isn't because he committed a sin. I mean, the Bible teaches us that he lived a life um, that was righteous, right? He was without sin. He was the perfect sacrifice, right? And so the, the reason why they took him to the cross wasn't because he broke any type of sin. But what he did, though, is he broke cultural norms all the time. And what you see in the Bible is because Jesus offended their culture, they were willing to sacrifice him because of that. And one thing I saw is because their culture was their God, they were they missed who Jesus was on this earth. I mean, when you think about it, like they knew the Torah, that for the first five books of the Bible, these were teachers of, of the law. These are people that knew the scriptures but missed Christ because they were married to their culture. Um what what does that look like? And and, and and I'm I'm here to you know I love the Abisha culture. Like just to also throw this out there because I know sometimes people say, hey, how come you're always like coming for our culture? Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of beautiful things about our culture. I love it. Um, I'm a fan. I embrace who I am. But there are some things in our culture that holds us back from health, and this is one of them. And so how do we how do we detach from things that won't help us become all that God has called us to become? Maybe share your story and your process and how you started detaching from culture. And when you started realizing it was a stepping um, it was a it was a stumbling block into your growth. Yeah, usually when I use the word detachment, people are usually thrown off. But um, detachment does not mean that you don't own anything. It means that nothing owns you. Mm. So I think it's there's nothing wrong with culture. It's something that is very beautiful. We have a very beautiful culture, but Absolutely. at the same time, we cannot be slaves to the culture. Mm. 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 I think um, that's a very big problem with us. And um, 
we allow culture to dictate how we move, who yeah. we talk to, who we have relationships with, um, how we view others. Yeah. We're, we have such a judgmental culture, mm-hmm. if, we, if we're going to be real honest about it. Yeah, we do. And like, even, even amongst ourselves, we're so divided and so divisive when we're um, looking at just the tribalism that exists with us. Yeah. And um, I think that that leaks into our psyche and how we move in this world. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very hard. It's very hard to go against the grain. I'm not, in no ways am I saying that this is easy, but yeah, um, it's, I, I think it just takes a certain level of understanding that you're living life for yourself. Mm-hmm and not for others yeah. and I think when you do that it's the most uncomfortable and um, like not the easiest thing to do but that it's the most liberating yeah it is it is how do we how do we so let me let me if I can just play devil's advocate because um, when, sometimes when we use language like you know live for yourself or you got to take care of yourself first the the Christian in us almost has a problem with that. Like, no, your life is about people, serving people, loving people. And I'm asking you this because I, I saw the Instagram post you made. Um, I think it was last week or week and a half recently. But like, how do we, you know, what what are you saying? Because I know the like when you say that, sometimes our mind can go to, well forget people i'm just gonna worry about me i'm gonna do me um i'm only gonna think about myself but i don't think that's what you're saying what can you explain to us what you're actually saying can you dive into what it looks like to live for yourself Mm. yeah that's a great question um i guess what i'm trying to say is when i got to the point where i started i stopped focusing too much on the horizontal relationships of my life Mm. and started to dedicate my all to my vertical relationship on, with Christ. Yeah. And I think what is if we think about the essence of self, then we have to look into the Bible and how we're made in the image of Christ. Yeah. And um, I think if, if nothing is pouring into us, we ex- how do you expect yourself to pour into others? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I've I've always been somebody that's always concerned with the horizontal relationships and interactions mm. that I have in my life. Yeah. And it was kind of weighing in on my other relationships. So yeah. if you shift the focus, if you focus on that vertical relationship, it definitely pours out into the horizontal. Absolutely. So Absolutely. that's what I kind of mean by living a life for yourself. That's so good, bro. Um, it seems uncomfortable to do that, though. I think, like, sometimes <clears throat> it's easier to kind of just live for others or just concern ourselves with our horizontal relationships and neglect our vertical relationship, our relationship with God, the relationship that matters beyond anything. And if if I were to be, like, honest with you, if I were to be vulnerable with you, I think, like, sometimes for me even, like, I I find myself um, uh, just not necessarily wanting to invest in my relationship with God because it costs more than sometimes it may investing in my relationship with my friends because it's, you know, with God, it's, you know, you got to wait on him. You can't hear him all the time. Prayer, I mean, prayer is something our generation really struggles with. And um, what, what disciplines did you pick up to really like, 
put God at the forefront of, of, of your relationships so that it could bleed into your relationships with others? Um, for me, first and foremost, my prayer life changed. Yeah. Um, for me, to be completely honest with you, the um, majority of my life, I felt so fake, mm-hmm. like getting, mm-hmm. getting on my knees and saying um, prayer as if I'm reading the script. And then I just get up and I'm like, okay, cool. I just did my prayer for the day. I'm good to go. And I bounce. Yeah. But one thing that's really changed in my prayer list is I do a lot more listening than talking. Wow. wow. And that's, I think that's something that we struggle with is that we want to come to God and just like dump all this stuff onto him as if he doesn't know that mm. it's going on. Mm. But in reality, if we just listen more than we speak, I think a lot more will be revealed to us. And, yeah. Um, a lot, a lot, a lot of this frustration of like, oh, like God is not speaking to me at this moment. Like I could not hear that, blah, 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 this and that. But are we really listening? Yeah, yeah. I feel like God is constant, in constant communication with us, twenty four seven. Whether it's through an interaction with somebody, or whether it's even in our solitude, like He's yeah. always speaking to us. Yeah. So yeah. that's one big thing that one big shift in my life. That's so good. You know, what's crazy is um. You know, sometimes when I don't know what to pray about or, you know, I just I have nothing to say or I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but you've been so you're just so burdened with a lot on your plate. You don't even know where to begin with your prayer. Right. Some some something I try to do is I, I pray the Lord's prayer. Um, and it's funny because the way the Lord's prayer starts is our father in heaven. And if you were to just sit and reflect on that, our father in heaven hallowed be your name like this idea that just first of all just rest and and re and relax just understand that he is in heaven and he is your father right this idea that he's not just lord which he is he's not just savior which he is but he's your father and he cares for you and he's in heaven and he's worthy of our worship right if we were to sit and just meditate on who god is like what you said a lot of our prayers will be answered. A lot of what we have to say would 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 cease because we're in awe of who he is and knowing who he is would give perspective on life and give us answers and, and we would learn and, and grow. Um, what, is, what is it like for you to, um, I don't know, how do you kind of, in, in, your, in your prayers and in your journey with God, how do you... Uh, I don't know. Like, what, 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 what's, what's the biggest thing that holds you back from pursuing? And what, you know, I know you said now that when you start praying, you know, um, you know, you try to listen more, and you're growing in that. But what's something that kind of uh, that you struggle with, or something that just holds you back from really pursuing Him? I think it's um, impatience. Yeah. I feel like we we already have this elaborate plan of how life is supposed to be yeah and what we're going to be in the future who we're going to be with what house we're going to live in like some of us are detailed to that point yeah and um i think that's the biggest conflict i think mm. it's like god's will at the end of the day comes over ours and triumphs ours so yeah being able to and i think that if we're going to be honest with ourselves i think that stems from a lack of trust yeah yeah if, yeah. if we really trusted God and what he has for us to offer, then we would not be as impatient as we are. Yeah, that's so good. 
but I mean, obviously it's easier said than done, and that's something <laughs> that, that I'm dealing with right now, just impatience, like, God, like, why do you have me in this moment right now? Like, I I have this elaborate plan of, like, what I'm going to be doing, this and that, but none of what's going on in my life aligns with what I have planned. Right, right. But if you think about it, um, the future doesn't really exist. It's just the projection of the mind. That's real. That's real. <laughs> and I mean, if you, and then if you even look deeper into it, that projection stems from past experiences, emotions, mm. and feelings that stem from your uh, memories. Yeah. So based off of what you've lived in your past, is what you use to project into your future. Wow. Wow. And not all of it is good, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. So uh, I think we just need to be able to separate. Um, God's intention for us and what the mind is production content. Yeah. Um I man, with what you just said, I've I have like two, three different questions. Um but yeah. let, let me let me start with this one. Um you talked about impatience being the one of the, one of the hindrances for you. I, I can relate with that a hundred percent. And what I've realized in my life is sometimes impatience breeds worry and <clears throat> I start stressing over things that are outside of my control. I start worrying things because I'm impatient on God's time and God's ways. Um, and then also bringing it back to like the mental health conversation as well. How do you reconcile, um, you know, worry? Like, you know, like I, I know there's clinical anxiety, but with even with what our faith teaches us about worry, right? Um, how do you kind of, how do you kind of like, um, engage those two worlds like what does mental health um have to do with worry and where does our what does our faith have to do with worry have you wrestled with that at all or um worked through any of that on your own oh yeah every day man <laughs> yeah yeah but uh i kind of just don't get me wrong i i still have the same worries same anxiety all that stuff but the difference is now it's just a different level of awareness yeah and not allowing that to last longer than like 24 hours usually yeah so if I have I'll let that have a thought one thing that's really helped me is if I have a reoccurring thought um, in my life I like to write it down wow yeah and that's something that's really helped a lot and um, by writing that thought down you get to see it for what it really is. Yeah, yeah. And spend time with that thought. So let's say, just to give an example, um, let's say you have tryouts for a certain team or whatever it is, and the reoccurring negative thought in your head is that, oh, I'll never make it. I'm not good enough. Mm. If you write that down and take a look at it, you have to ask yourself, how positive am I mm. that this statement is true? Mm-hmm. Most of the time, I'd say 80 to 90% of the thoughts that we have are negative. Come on, man. Yeah. yeah. Like, if we're going to be honest with, you, with ourselves, like, most of the thoughts that we have are negative, and it's always something that's fighting against us and yeah. fighting our greatness. Yeah. And um, I think it's really important to do that because whenever I'm anxious or worried, I'm usually living in the future at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. whenever I'm depressed or feeling a set, like I'm just covered in the spirit of like guilt or shame or regret and I'm living in the past yeah that's good man 
Yeah. And I don't think, um, for me, God only exists in the now. Mm. Mm. Because if you're if you're anxious and worried and this and that, like you're definitely envisioning a future without God yeah. indirectly. Yeah. That's and good. then if you're envisioning the guilt and shame and regret, then you're forgetting what what God did in your past as well too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me let me let me ask you this. With with that being said, how do you how do you because because I think that like the the you're right the 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 present is what really matters. But how do we? Because but I also believe too that in order for us to understand the present, we have to wrestle with the past, and we have to conquer some things that have happened to us. How do you wrestle with uh, living in the now? while embracing the past? I think it, it just comes back to a detachment again. Yeah. Like, yes, the past does exist in the mind, but I think we're too attached to the past. Yeah. And we allow the past to define our future. Yeah. So I think it's very dangerous for us to embrace. I think embrace is um, a very dangerous word because... If you embrace it, then you're taking it in as it's as your own. Like you're kind of attaching your identity to your past as well, too. Yeah. So I think just acknowledging it and accepting the past for what it is, because it's already past. Yeah. And um, taking action, learning from the mistakes that you've made, um, learning the lessons from the mistakes that you made. Yeah. And um, applying those to the future, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you said something profound. You said, you know, writing down a thought that you constantly have and finding it to be negative most of the time. I think self, like the, 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 self, uh, the self-thought that we have is, is extremely important. The thoughts we have to our own uh, minds is really important. I've realized with my, and I've been, this is something I've been trying to like practice myself the last two years is just watching what I think, you know, thinking about what I think. And what I've realized is a lot of the times, like the thoughts I have towards myself are harmful, you know, like, like sometimes when I make a mistake, um, I I forgot where I watched this. Somebody was talking about this in an interview or what have you. And I, I resonated with so much, but this idea that like, let's say my friend messes up, right? He blows it. The advice I give him is 100% positive, right? Um, I will be real with where he failed. I'll be real with maybe where he fell short. But all in all, like, I'm really trying to, like, encourage, right? But when it comes to my own failures and when it comes to my own shortcomings, I find the advice I give is no advice at all, but rather, like, condemnation. Like, there's this, well, this is why you'll never make it, and this is why they don't like you, and this is this is why they misunderstood you, or this is why uh, you'll you'll never be the, live up to the potential that you, you can live up to. This is, you know, and what, what I, when I end up doing is I start beating myself down mentally. What, what, what are ways in which we could, watch our our thoughts and make sure that the things that we're thinking about edify us 
and and I'm not I'm not saying don't lie to ourselves and you know make it seem like we're the greatest when we're not either but how do we how do we watch our thoughts and how do we make sure that it's positive and it's encouraging and it's nurturing and it's um it's 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 uh instrumental in our growth well um Another thing that's helped for, with me, aside from writing writing them down, is meditation. Yeah, come on, man. And um, with meditation, um, what that really does, what it allows me to do is to sit still. And in that stillness is when I feel God the most. Yeah. So in that moment, when you're sitting there, um, there's like this misconception with meditation that um, whenever a negative thought pops up into your mind during meditation you're supposed to like suppress it and like not think about it like oh I don't want to think about this this is negative like I'm trying to be positive in this moment yeah so that whole meditation experience is ruined because you're that whole time you're just fighting that thought yeah and um the misconception is that you meditation is just a vehicle it's not the destination yeah yeah so we're not supposed to be the world's greatest meditator (laughs) yeah but instead, it's, um, it's a little process where it allows you to see your thoughts outside of your head pretty much. Yeah. And you see those reoccurring negative thoughts, and you see them for what they are. And most of the time, you kind of realize, like, wow, this is pretty dumb. Like, I can't believe that this is something that goes on in my head constantly. Wow. It's not even true. Yeah, yeah. But if we never take the time to be still and actually take time with our thoughts and feel then we're just living a life of robots we're being a slave to the mind yeah but if you can tell the mind like no i'm gonna sit you down right now for five to ten minutes and do nothing literally i'm not gonna do anything i'm gonna have my eyes closed the mind is gonna be confused because it loves complexity yeah yeah so when we take the time to do something as simple as really sitting there and commanding the mind on just literally sitting still and not doing anything then um you start to reverse the role mm-hmm. you start to become the master of your mind yeah yeah and most of the time and i'm not saying that negative thoughts have disappeared in my life they're they're just as evident as they want they ever were but the difference is once you see them for what they are that's all it is there's no emotional attachment to it yeah so so would you say the way you define meditation or the way you go about meditation is just sitting and reflecting on what you think about and taking captive those thoughts that aren't healthy. Exactly. Being still in the presence of God. Yeah. That's essentially what meditation is. Yeah. Well, I I love it because I think meditating also on 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 the word of God is very helpful. You know, I, I think a lot of the times, like, we know a lot of Bible verses, but we don't really know them because we don't meditate on them. And what I mean by we don't really know them is in our minds, we, we might have memorized it or heard of it or understand it conceptually, but it doesn't sink down to our hearts because we don't have time to just sit and meditate on the beauty of God and the beauty of those truths that we've we've known um, mentally. And so I, I know how meditation and meditating on the word of God can can play a huge role in just even us believing the promises of God. Like one of my, something I always say is our greatest struggle 
in this Christian life is not our discipline. Our greatest struggle is not our prayer life. Our greatest struggle is not going to church. It's not serving. It's not obeying God. Our greatest struggle is is believing what God says to be true. Because if we really believe, if we have faith, if we actually internalize it and say, yes, this is well with my soul, automatically we'll live a life in response of that. But I think our struggle is not really believing in the things we say we believe. And uh, I think the way in which we can believe is by meditation, to really sit and and think and ponder and gaze upon those truths. Um, What what have you seen um, in your Christian life and as you study psychology? Like, what have you seen in your life that might be um, a contradiction, maybe it's uh, it's something that's consistent. Maybe it's something that is, um, you know, it, it, both 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 of those realities work in congruence. Like, what is the biggest thing that you've seen, um, and and how have you reconciled with it? And, and I'll give you an example. I know for me, I had the privilege of studying psychology um, at a Christian university. So they gave like a biblical worldview to a lot of the things we were studying and how we should process and, and things like that. And one of the things I learned in my intro to psych class that I'll never forget is my professor taught us that when psychology first came out, psychology was the study of the soul. It wasn't the study of the mind. And because of the Enlightenment period and because of the just the way our, 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 our culture was headed in America and we literally took out spirituality and we were replacing it with science and what have you. They changed the definition to the study of the mind. Um, but I've just kind of seen how there is a lot of correlation with Christianity and the um, and psychology or the soul and the mind or what have you. Um, what what has that process looked like for you and how have you reconciled both of those worlds? Um, I think the biggest one is, um, we talked about this a couple months ago, of, like, this whole idea of Christianese. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Carolyn Leaf talks about this a lot, and she talks about this culture of Christianese, of how there's certain things we say in the Christian, uh, community that we don't necessarily believe. Yeah. Just because it's something that we're supposed to say. Mm. And, um, that's, that was kind of a big struggle for me and it kind of just brought it into light of like um, I think we're attached more to the words than the message wow 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 that's we, deep we see the words and we read the Bible just like another book but like that yeah, like I can recite the verses front and back as many times as I want but at the end of the day if you haven't really digested the message then what's the point of your reading it yeah yeah so I think um we need to be careful not to be attached to those certain phrases that we say because it's going to create cognitive dissonance in the mind where you're constantly saying something that you don't believe. Wow. wow. And that actually leads to a lot of depression. And wow. um, I've spoken to a lot of practicing psychologists at the moment, and um, they said a lot of their patients are actually Christians. Wow, yeah. Because of this problem, there's there's a lot of feel-good Christianity that's going wow. around of um, certain statements that we say, like Bible verses, we're getting it tattooed on us, we're putting it in our bios, but do we really believe it? Yeah. Do we understand what God is trying to transmit to us? Yeah. And I think that's very um, crucial for us to do, and I think meditation really does help on it. Like, um, after reading the Word, 
allowing yourself to sit there in the presence of God and just try and understand what was what is that that you just read. Yeah. And it'll be revealed to you. God God has a funny way of working. He'll reveal it to you throughout the week if you really pay attention. Come on, man. Bro, you just hit on a goal. I, I feel like we could talk about this cognitive, uh, cognitive dissonance for a minute. Um, what, <laughs> for real, especially in our context. Uh, what do you think? Why do you think we have a lot of feel good messages, feel good verses, but we haven't really sat in under something my pastor used to always say is we knew the language before we knew the meaning. Meaning, like we we know a lot of uh, of what Christian uh, what the Christian uh, faith teaches, but we don't really know the meaning behind what we know to be true. Um, and it goes along with what you just said as well. Why why do you think? I know we talked about meditation, but why do you think um, we're we're buying into these um, feel good moments and not necessarily wrestling with them? With the, the truths that we 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 uh, uh, hear, honestly, I think the biggest culprit is um, our reliance on man for the word. Mm. Because man, we, we watch a lot of sermons. Don't get me wrong, I I, I love watching sermons and I love going to church. This and that, but at the end of the day, that's man delivering God's message. Yeah. So I think we need to take the time to actually sit there. And it's okay. Like if if you hear something and it just doesn't resonate with you, if it doesn't make sense, like it's okay to feel that way. Yeah. Don't allow that to drive you crazy just because you're a Christian. Everything's not supposed to make sense to you right away. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's a very scary thing, and that's something that really drove me away from the church actually um, about six years back. Like uh. I would go, and everybody's um, on this like spiritual high spinning a lot of uh, feel-good Christianity verses all over the place, and I'm just like, yo, like... If God is for you, who can be against you? (laughs) Exactly, and I'm just, like, sitting here like, yo, like, am I the only one who's going through something in life? Like, why is everybody in this room just, like, super happy and throwing these words around? Like, it don't even make sense. Wow. And um, I think it's a lack of understanding, like, understanding for yourself. So once I took the time to really dig deep and if something doesn't resonate with me I'm not going to sit here and accept it yeah I can't I, you you physically can't accept it don't force yourself I think you should um, spend some time with the word through prayer ask um, certain individuals what they think of this what it means to them and um, taking the time to really understand the word I think will help a lot with that man that's so good bro that's so good um, why do you think church culture has, um, man, I got to be careful how I say this. <laughs> um, We're not trying to get excommunicated. <laughs> I know, man. Oh, man. The, the men are trash episodes really scar me, bro. I got to be careful. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me, um, why do you think Christians are lonely at church? Why do you think Christians can't be real with their struggles? Like, why is it, why is there this just disconnect where, because you're right, I think at the end of the day, like, 
we're all struggling with something, you know, we're all fighting to believe God to be true about something, you know, we're all sinners in in need of the grace of God. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like we don't have good seasons or we just have seasons where we're not questioning or, you know, I mean, those seasons exist too, but why, why do you think like by and large, it's hard for us to be real in, in the church? That's a good question. I think um, on a personal level, I think it's, we have this, we see this ideology that like being a Christian means that you've got it all together. Yeah. And like, you know better. You know the verses, you've heard the sermons, you worship, you do this, so you should know better. You should not be feeling the way that you do right now. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like, that's one of the big lies ever because chances are 90 to 95% of whoever's in that church with you is dealing with something of their own. They're dealing with their own battles, their own struggles, their own sin. And um, I think we just need to start being real with each other. Yeah, yeah. And if we don't, that's why a lot of this cognitive dissonance that we're talking about yeah. even happens. Yeah. You start to believe that you're the only one going through that problem. Yeah. And you just keep it to yourself. You yeah. become ashamed. Yeah. Yeah. Because everybody else is over here um, just, you know, just with this feel-good Christianity going on. Like, nobody's really keeping it real at the church. So, um, at least that's from my personal experience. Yeah, man. That's real. I, you know, one of my um, favorite passages in the Bible um I think it's, I don't know, I'm forgetting if it's 1st or 2nd Corinthians chapter 1. Paul talks about the tremendous pain that he faced. And he he goes on to talk about the comfort of God. But as he talks about God comforting him and, you know, really being his source of peace, he says, I, this verse literally blows my mind. He said, but I don't want you to be unaware of the troubles we faced we we got to a point where we despise life itself and i love that paul was able to speak on the magnitude of the comfort of god without compromising on the 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 magnitude of the pain and and i i think in order for the comfort to be real i think in order for the comfort to be glorious we have to we have to see our pain for what it is we have to see our struggle for what it is because what we'll end up doing is we cheapen the peace of god we cheapen the promises of god or we cheapen uh the comfort of god and and i think that if we we started being more brave about what we feel because because i think also like essentially like why we're afraid to come to the light is because you know everybody will judge us you know everybody will have an and it's just like you know if if we really believed that we were forgiven you know what i mean like if we really believed that that jesus took care of our sin on the cross right and now that we live from the place of victory if we really believe that I think no matter what judgments come our way, not that it'll make it any easier or that it might less hurt less, but like our identity is intact because we're not who people say we are. We are who the gospel says we are, and that's children of God. You know what I mean? Um, 
let, let me ask you this, like what helped you get over the hump of, you know, cause you said that's one thing that like made you kind of just walk away from the church. What brought you back to the church and what helped you overcome some of these things that you were facing? Um, the biggest thing is just, like I said, not relying on others to define my God. Yeah. Like, I think we, we look at other people in the church and we're like, oh, like, this person has it all together. Like, I'm not even worthy to be at church or I'm not even worthy to be doing this. But at the end of the day, like, that person is going to do stuff that you don't even know. Like, he's struggling with sin just like you are. Yeah. And, um, I don't know, just, just that realization came about um, nothing really matters in this world other than Christ, mm. Christ loving us. Yeah, that's good, man. And um, some of the most enlightened people in this world are the people that are on the verge of suicide, if you think about it. Mm. Mm. And that's because they, they've come to the realization that nothing really matters. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But obviously the devil will pervert that and tell them, that their life doesn't matter as well. Yeah, yeah. But if you really think about it, like nothing really matters. Other people, it doesn't matter what job you have, what how much money you have in your bank account. Yeah. And none of that stuff really matters because it's not going to heaven. Yeah, yeah. So I think that realization just um, kind of woke me up and yeah, man, just live life for yourself. I mean, it comes back to that again. Yeah, I mean, that, that reminds me of the book of Ecclesiastes, right? Solomon, literally, Solomon said, everything is meaningless, literally, <laughs> like everything. That book is so depressing, but it's so real. Like, when you take God out of the picture, I mean, he was even saying laughter is meaningless, you know what I mean? And so, um, you're right, you're right. When you put God in the picture, it puts everything into perspective. Um what what advice would you give to somebody that wants to be a healthy person, spiritually, mentally, physically? Um, what give us give us your tools, bro? Like, what did you do? What has helped you? How can we become a healthier person overall? Um, first and foremost, uh, we have to see that the the biggest killer, pretty much, in America is preventable diseases. Yeah, man. And um, that's AKA lifestyle choices. Come on, man. And um, we just live in a society that's just always stressed. Yeah. And it's about, I think it's about 90% of all hospital visits, everything from the common cold to cancer is a byproduct of stress. Wow. You said 90%? Yeah, 90%. Wow. So that's, what stress does to your body is it shuts down your immune system. Mm. And obviously God invented that whole um, phenomenon of stress to help us combat stressful situations in terms of being attacked when we perceive a threat. Yeah. But we're living in that primal instinct 24-7. And... um, Basically, what happens when we go under stress is our immune system shuts down, and it's because our body's more concerned at getting us away from the perceived threat instead of trying to help us recover from anything that we're going through at the moment, because Mm -hmm. that's not what matters. Yeah, yeah. Our body becomes flooded with toxins because it's trying to 
because think about it when you're about to do a presentation or you feel nervous or anxious or whatever you get that feeling that you need to use the bathroom right <laughs> yeah that's because your body's trying to excrete whatever waste it is so you're light on your feet mm, yeah so you can run away from that perceived threat all the blood that's in your body starts to be dispersed into your arms and legs so that you can either fight or flight whatever's coming so what does that mean that means you have less blood in the brain you're not thinking clearly right right and all these things play a factor and that stress hormone cortisol is so powerful that whenever somebody is about to have a transplant and is about to receive an organ from somebody else cortisol is administered to the patient to shut down their immune system wow like that's how powerful this this uh this chemical is. Yeah. Imagine, imagine how people are living every single day. It's like dumping acid on your body constantly, twenty four seven. Wow. So I think first, the first thing that we need to do is stress management. Yeah. We need to. I mean, for me personally, like I said, I, I write down my thoughts. I do a lot of uh, meditation. Um, fitness has saved my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's been something that no matter what I'm going through, if I just take my butt to the gym, sweat it out. Yeah. It makes me really clear in my mind and I'm able to really understand like, oh wow, like that stuff that I was thinking about doesn't even exist because I forgot about it for the past hour. Wow. And um, yeah, man, just taking the time to take care of yourself. Worry about the things that really do matter in your life. Yeah. Be able to live in the moment. Cherish the moment that you have with your friends and your family because it's as corny as it sounds, it's real. Tomorrow's not promised. Yeah, really. Yeah. And I think we're so stressed because um, there's a quote by Eckhart Tolle. He says, stress is caused by being here and always wanting to be there. Wow. That's so good. That's so if good. If we just took the time to be here, be present. Like, even when we have conversations with people, if you think about it, how many times do you catch yourself thinking about um, what your groceries you're going to buy later that day or what homework assignment that you have due the next week right. or like stuff like that. Like we're not present in, in life. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of this stress comes from. Yeah. So um, stress management would be like the first thing that I would recommend to anybody. Yeah. Man, that's so good. You just dropped a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom. Um, and I, I could literally pick apart every single weekend, go for a while. But let, let's get into exercise for a little bit and helping. And I, I want to get into being present, too. And then uh, we'll just go from there. But I know for me, you know, I, I started working out consistently like last October or so. And I've kind of like what you said, I, I've, I've noticed just, you know, the you feel light, you feel good, you feel positive. Like when I leave the gym, it's probably the, 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 the biggest high I'm on ever because I just feel amazing. I just, um, it feels really good and I feel light. Um, why do you think exercise is important? And I know that's not the only benefit it has. I mean, you got to take care of your body and you got to make sure uh, you're, you know, building muscle and you're, you know, you're at a certain weight for whatever, whatever age or height. I mean, all that is, there's, there's a lot to that. But um, why do you think it's important to, like, work out and exercise? Well, I mean, even from a science uh, perspective, it reduces levels of cortisol, the cortisol that we were just talking about. Yeah. 
and um, you release endorphins. Yeah. So in that moment, you are literally killing the stress that is in your body. Like literally, that's what's going on. Yeah. So I mean, aside from that, which is that's huge, so I crazy. It's, um, it's like being in a state of flow where you lose all sense of self awareness. So if you ever catch yourself in the gym where you just you're not thinking about if your shoelaces are tied, what you're gonna eat, what that person is thinking about you, like you're out of your you're out of the mind. Mm. And you're just doing going through the motions, you're going through the action, you're sweating it out, you're in that present moment. And I think the gym really helped me develop that skill of present moment awareness. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good, bro. Yo, I actually didn't know that for real. That and that's real. Like I, I know, like when I work out, you're right. You don't really think about anything. Um, you're just kind of there, <laughs> focused on pumping iron and the next set or the next set of reps or what have you. So that that's real. Um, practical. Give us give us some practical steps on how to be present, bro. How to how to how to not. I forgot how the quote went, but being here and not thinking about there like how do we how do we live like that um that's very easier said than done <laughs> yeah but uh, I think um yeah for man for me honestly it's just a lot of self reflection like realizing that a lot of the things that I'm thinking about throughout the day don't really matter at the moment so whenever I go into class I really like to the first minute or so I just kind of tell myself like all that matters right now is the class that I'm in yeah. whatever the me- whatever message the teacher's trying to transmit to me whatever interactions I have in the class and that's all that matters to me right now in this moment so I think if we just are mindful of that whenever we go into anything like whenever we're going to church whenever we're going to class whenever we're even going to the grocery store just being presently moment present yeah. moment awareness in every situation that we do and I think living in the moment and living in the here is so beneficial to us because we overlook a lot of messages that God tries to transmit to us when we're always in the past or in the future. Yeah. Whether it's the clerk at the grocery store trying to um, talk to us. Yeah. You know, they have nobody's really been talking to them all day. They're just swiping their car, grabbing their bags, and leaving. Like that's yeah. that's not why God created us. God created us for that interaction. Yeah, yeah. We're social beings. Yeah. Bro, that's actually, like, a crazy example because that is me. Like, I don't really, like, I'm just trying to get through and buy my stuff and leave. And I'm not really, even when I'm, like, purchasing the items that I'm purchasing, like, I'm not really trying to engage. I'm just, all right, hurry up. Let's get this going. But, yeah, that's so crazy that something as small as that will have an effect, right? Being present even in those moments matter. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I don't know, I guess um, one of the biggest revelations was, um, so I worked for Lyft, and um, just having people come into the car, you'd be, you would be surprised how so many people don't really have people to talk to in their lives. Mm, yeah. Like, they'll, they'll come in there and talk about um, divorces that they're going through, how they were contemplating suicide before I picked them up. Like, wow. they'll get deep with you. Wow. And it makes me realize, like, yo, I'm just 
here to pick you up and take you to your destination. <laughs> but at the same time, it makes me realize, like, yo, people don't really have authentic, genuine, vulnerable conversations with people anymore. Yeah, yeah. We're just so caught up in the hustle and bustle of life. Yeah. And just living like robots. Yeah. And ever since this job, pretty much, I've been, you know, obviously there's days where I'm stuck in my head, obviously. But even when I come up to a place, you know, I just kind of ask them how their day is going. <laughs> and, I mean, I challenge all of you guys to do that. But, like, you'll be surprised. Like, they'll they'll tell you some crazy stuff. Like, yeah. right there in the middle of the checkout line. Like, yeah, yeah. my life could be better, blah, blah, blah. And if you just ask me, yeah, what's going on, whatever, like, you'll be surprised. And I think once I started doing stuff like that, I was able to realize the beauty of life. Like, mm. we're all just as broken as the next man. Come on, man. Come on. Yeah. It's cool. Nobody really has it together like we think it is. And I think social media has a big part to play with that. Wow, yeah. We, yeah. Um, we, I think we, we chase this fantasy of perfection that doesn't exist. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And we're all just as broken. But the only difference is on social media, you can put a filter on your brokenness. Yeah, that's <laughs> so good, bro. Yeah. That's, 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 that's the truth. I, I think like, as I'm hearing you discuss practical steps, like I think the the first thing is just being really intentional. And when we're intentional, we see that we're all in the same boat. <laughs> exactly. We're all in the same boat. Yeah. We're all, you know, I, um, who there's this pastor that I, I'm forgetting who is saying this, but he, he's been in ministry now for a while. And he's just like, you know, after all these years, I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're just, we're here by the grace of God. And, you know, that that's so true. Like, I think a lot of the times, like, and, and this pastor is successful, you know, like he has a big church, he's doing great things, but, you know, just taking it one step at a time and realizing, like, even when things are figured out, that's simply the grace of God. We, you know, and, and that's not to take away from discipline and planning and strategizing and budgeting and all of these things that we need to be doing. But I think it's, you know, it's something to be said that we're all, trying to figure this thing called life out and we're all not perfect at it at all times you know what i mean and when we have honest conversations i think we can come back to reality and when we get off social media we can come back to reality and realize like you know what you know i was actually like talking to a friend about this and you know he was just saying like you know what like at age 25 i have to be a millionaire you know and he's almost 25 and he's stressing because he's not a millionaire and he had to pull back and ask himself, like, where did I even adopt this, like, like thought from, like, this philosophy? And it's social media. It's seeing all these 23, 22, 21-year-olds make it, make seven figures. Uh, however, however, I mean, everybody's doing it differently, but the Internet is a huge part in that. But it's so crazy how a lot of the stress we even put on ourselves are rooted in realities that are not realistic. You know what I mean? And uh, we just step back and have honest conversations with people at the grocery stores or have honest conversation when we're picking up people at work like you are at doing Lyft. You realize, like, we're all in this together. We're all broken, and we're all trying to figure it out. Um, that's uh, so good, bro. I, mean, I give uh, an example from one of the rides. Is, uh, so I picked up this, uh, this man. He was around... I think he told me 52. He came in and we were just talking back and forth. And essentially what he was saying was that he, so he's a lawyer 
that has his own firm out here in Los Angeles. Yeah. And he was saying how he's reached the pinnacle of his success. He has all the money in the world. He um, He's pretty much switching women every single weekend. He's going on a different date yeah. almost every day, of the, every day of the week. Yeah. Um, he has his dream home that he envisioned when he was younger. He drives his dream car. Um, but he says that he would give it all back to actually live in the moment. Wow. And he talks about how um, how he lost the woman of his dreams because he was so busy chasing success Yeah. that he didn't see what was in front of him. Wow. Yeah. And that he's just, he's like, yeah, like, I mean, I have everything that everybody wishes for, but to be honest, like, I'm not happy at all with my life. Yeah. I've tried to kill myself two times. Wow. Um, I've just, I feel like a robot going throughout my day. And it just kind of really struck me because, I mean, if any of us would have heard what he has in his life, he'd be like, yo, this dude's got it made. But at the end of the day, like, he was lacking the most important part, which is connection. Yeah, that's so good, bro. And I feel like we connect to success, which doesn't even exist. <laughs> yeah. It goes back to that projection of the mind again. Like, success can mean a hundred million different things to a hundred million different people. Definitely. And um, I think we're attached to, like, a societal projection of success, yeah, which is man. money, house, cars, marriage before 30, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, who created that? God never said that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, bro. Yeah. And, yeah, man. I think that's a, that's a big one for us, to not be attached to um, societal standards, I guess. That's so good. Yeah, we, we got to do a lot of detox, bro. We really do. We have to, you know, like I was, um, you know, going through Romans 12 verses uh, 1 to 2 with my community a few weeks back. And it's so funny because Paul says, like, you know, we, <laughs> we literally can't be conformed to the ways of the world, but rather, you know, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And if we were to be honest with ourselves, and, and then he goes on to say, then you will be able to test the will of God, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. And it's so interesting because the will of God isn't perfect, good, or pleasing because our minds have not been renewed, right? A lot of like what we think is great is um, bombarded by what society has projected success or a great life is. And so when God says, love people you're like nah that's costly <laughs> you know and it's because <laughs> our mind hasn't been renewed or when god says it's better to, to give than it is to receive we're like nah why because we've been bombarded we've been molded by the world and in order to even see the will of god in order to see god's heart for his people as perfect and pleasing and good we have to detox and we have to sit and i mean full circle meditate and believe on what the Bible says to be true, you know? And, uh, mm-hmm. man, we can go, uh, we could talk about this for hours, bro, but let me, uh, we got to wrap it up. But before we do, let me, um, I know you wanted to share something on the, the the Men Are Trash episodes that we put out. I know there, there's something that was on your heart, and I just wanted to kind of hear that and give you an opportunity for you to share. Man, I, honestly, I just want to thank all of you who are on that podcast and being able to get together and discuss um, regardless of what both sides were viewing um, how they were viewing the situation I guess yeah. and um, 
honestly, you can't, you cannot fight fire with fire, yeah. as funny as it sounds. Yeah. If yeah. women are voicing their concern, instead of being um, offended, I think we should take the time to listen. Always, yeah. And um, that's obviously the label of the movement, Men Are Trash, is not progressive in any way. But I think we need to look past the label and yeah. see what is actually being said. Yeah. So I, I fully support the conversation that you guys had and bringing both sides, you know, to the to the table to talk it out and yeah. to set aside the ego. I think that's the biggest thing is with all this gender war, racial war, all this stuff, is it's all ego. That's what it is. It's, yeah. ego, it's a conflict of the egos. So, so if we can just literally just tell our ego to take a seat. <laughs> and like just have the, these conversations man like at the end of the day you're not going to die by having a conversation with somebody no opposing you. yeah definitely definitely that's good bro yeah I, I love what you said we gotta we gotta bro like it's so crazy how much the ego can ruin um in our lives how much pride can distort and destroy um whether it be relationships or um, even just having a heart to listen, like, you know, pride never wants to listen, you know what I mean? And, uh, you're, you're right, bro. Like we, we definitely, I mean, it's, it's everybody's problem. It's not a one-sided problem and, uh, we got to own up and really, um, work towards a better tomorrow. And that starts with listening to one another and, um, really listening, not listening to respond, but listening to listen, you know? And, uh, yeah. That's good, bro. Yeah, thank you for for that input. Uh, it means a lot. Yeah, bro. man. It's, it's. I think. I think we just need to be honest with ourselves too. At the end of the day, I mean, I think that's why I'm able to see both sides of the argument because I have. I'll be the first to admit I have been a quote unquote trash man to multiple women, hurt multiple women in my life. Yeah. But I have also been hurt by multiple women as well too. Yeah. yeah. So it kind of we kind of have to sit back and be honest with ourselves. Like, yo, there is a problem with how men are treating women. Yeah. Like, let's just keep it real. Like, that's, it's going on, but regardless of what, regardless of why it happens, like, it is happening. We need to accept that it's happening and then move on from it. Like, yeah. let's, let's have these discussions, let's look into ourselves, let's look into why the way that we're acting the way we are and holding each other accountable too as men. Like, yeah. if you see your boy slipping up, like, love is not enabling, love is accountability. Come on, man. Yeah. Like, if you see your boy treating a woman disrespectfully, then, you know, you got to let him know. Mm-hmm. Definitely, bro. And same, thing, same thing on the other end, too. Like, with women, they need to allow the platform for men to be vulnerable, to be emotional. You know? Yeah. I think um, it shouldn't be seen as something that it, that's set aside for women. Vulnerability and emotionality is gender neutral. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's real. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we both, you know, both parties, you know, we, we got we to gotta step it up in a lot of ways, you know. But I love what you said about the men, and I think it's powerful to hear, you know, another man say that because this, you know, what you said and how you feel is not generally how men feel, you know what I mean? Um, and to, to just see guys um, saying enough is enough and we got to call each other out, we got to... Um, hold each other accountable it's a powerful thing and I feel like I, I honestly believe you know I, I was like talking with a friend from DC and she was sharing with me 
you know, men actually have the power to, you know, really hold other men accountable, you know, and uh, we got to take that power seriously and, and be very intentional with our friendships and, um, and, and really do um, God's work at the end of the day. I think, uh, you know, I think when I like sit back and think about this conversation, you know, um, a lot of it is, you know, we could do better by just applying what God has called us to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and not picking and choosing what God has for our lives or what part of our lives that, or what part of our lives are his ways applicable. Um, if we just sat and realized like all of his ways are applicable for all of our lives, I think we could do, we could start like living a life where we could call one one another out as men and loving each other and just, just sharing, you know, correction. I mean, correction and rebuke is not popular in our day and age at all. Like (laughs) those are some fighting words nowadays. Those that's like cussing almost, (laughs) you know what I mean? And uh, we, we got to get back to the days where we can rebuke one another as men and say, Hey brother, that's, that's not of the Lord. That's not, that's not his ways. We're not representing him well. And uh, we got to do better. And so thank you. Thank you for sharing the same sentiment and the heart. It's, it's dope to see another guy step up in that way as well. Yeah, man. I think uh, one, one more little thing I want to add is that um, these conversations and discussions are great, but they should not be the destination. Definitely. They should just be a vehicle. Definitely. And I think when we place these discussions as the end goal is when we come into it as a battle. Like, oh, we need to come in men from this side and we need to win this battle because the end goal is the discussion anyways. Yeah. But yeah. that's not the case. Like, yeah. the discussion is just a vehicle to equality. Yeah. It just, I mean, we. yeah, that's why I think every episode we say, like, this is just to get things going, you know? Like, like we really got to understand that if, if we think this is the end-all, be-all, we're in trouble, you know? And so, yeah, bro, that's real. That's real. Well, any, any last thoughts, bro, before we wrap this episode up? Man, I just want to thank you for uh, taking the time to do this and stay consistent. Um this is not something that's easy or comfortable to be had, you know, to have these conversations every week and um, to be a pastor on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I commend you for that, man. I'm really proud of uh, where this is taken. And uh, honestly, I can't wait to see how you shape the culture with this, man. Bro, I appreciate that. That means a lot. Thank you for um, sacrificing your time to be on this episode. And I'm excited to see more episodes from your podcast, Growth Over Comfort. And everybody listening right now needs to go and subscribe and check that out because Simone has a lot of great things to share. And uh, I think that we can learn and grow and gain so much from you. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what God does through your platform. And uh, what, what did you say in that when we were texting a couple weeks ago? You like brought the two to- like how, I don't I forgot how you brought the two podcasts together. You had a phrase. Do you remember? The only way to shape the culture is to constantly choose growth over comfort. Hey, come on, somebody! <laughs> 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 there you have it. Uh, and so the yeah, yeah, bro, yeah, bro. So thank you again. I, I appreciate all that you shared uh, on this episode, bro. You, you had some great insight, and so I'm excited to see what this does as well. So you're welcome anytime, bro. <laughs> Thank you, man. I'm looking forward to being on here again. For sure. Well, for all our listeners, it was great 
Um, I hope you learned a thing or two. I know I did. Um, as we say every episode, uh, we don't got all the answers. This is just to get the conversation going. And uh, I hope that this kind of inspires you to have conversations with friends, with family members, or for you to actually take some things into um, action and start living certain things out. And so if you have any questions, please don't don't hesitate to contact me or Simone. Simone, you want to give them your handles, your social media handles? Uh, yeah, man. Instagram is uh, just my first last name, Simone, S-I-M-O-N-E, last name D-E-M-I-S-I-E-W. Same on all platforms. Bet. Don't hesitate to reach him and contact him. And, uh, man, we, we love to talk to you guys and uh, help in any way possible. So until next time, family, peace and grace.